Howdy folks, my name is Zach Benson, and thank you for tuning in to my episode today. Today's discussion is about a staple and iconic part of Colorado State University's main campus, which is centrally located in Fort Collins, Colorado. You may ask yourself what it could be. There are lots of options, such as Cam the Ram, maybe the new Canvas Stadium, or maybe one of the other buildings on the Oval, or it might be someone that is important to the university's history. Now here's a quick hint before I tell you what the topic is. Some people like it, others despise it, and there are very few that sit in the middle on this topic. The topic of this podcast is a building. The building in question is that of the Andrew G. Clark Building, which is often referred to simply as the Clark Building. First, some background information on my research on the topic. I was trying to find an angle at which to approach the topic of the Clark Building because there is the option of focusing on the building itself and what has happened since it started construction and the history since then, then there is also the possible topic of looking at what the plans are for it in the future because a lot of people talk about how it's going to be remodeled soon or how they're going to find funding to do such things with the building. What I ended up deciding on was more related to the person that it got its name from and the architectural planning and designing before the building was built. Just some more quick background and layout inf- information will be helpful Helpful at understanding the building. The building was finished construction in 1968 and is divided into three sections commonly referred to as Clark A, Clark B, and Clark C. With Clark A being the northern section and Clark C being the southern section with Clark B between the two. The thing that can be confusing about the Clark building is that Clark A and Clark C both have three floors and a basement, whereas Clark B, on the other hand, is more like two bridges going between the other two parts of the building that doesn't have a first floor or a basement, which can be confusing when somebody's trying to find their professor's office, which are the only rooms in Clark B. So to start off, let's start with the person for which the building got its name, who is Andrew G. Clark. The information I got about him was from two books, and a plaque that is dedicated to him in part of the building known as Clark A on the ground floor, which states that his lifetime was from 1900 to 1979. So some would say that the history of the Clark building would start with the beginning of Andrew Clark's life. But I think the story has a better starting point, which is when he started his career at CSU, which was 1923. From 1923 until 1941, Clark was just a normal teacher and faculty member in the mathematics department. It was in 1941 when he became head of his department. Although the position of head of department is a high position at universities and is not the highest, it is not the highest position of which Andrew Clark would hold during his career at CSU. This position would be the dean of faculty, where his ideals and influences came to fruition. He achieved the position of dean of faculty in 1952, and at this point in the university's history, it had a much narrow curriculum and majors to choose from, and he was one of the advocates for expanding that, allowing people wanting to study other things to also attend the university. And then one of the uh, sources that I have also talked about him working with the university's president at the time, 
who was President Morgan, on the idea of expanding the university. They eventually achieved their goal of expanding the university's reach, and because of this, Andrew Clark not only had a large influence on the department, faculty, and his students, but also the way we see the university today. Without some of the things that he was able to accomplish, it is interesting to wonder what the university would look like today without it. The next topic that I would like to discuss is that of the architecture of the Clark Building, which a lot of people have opinions about, some negative, some positive. But during the research, I found out that the time in which the Clark Building was built had an architectural theme for, the, for that era. The time that the Clark Building is classified into is the post-war and Western expansion, which dates from 1950 to 1975, and is claimed to be accurately described as international style. The source that I used explains that style and talks about how it has an overarching simplicity and elegance in design. Also that the building has a clean, well-conceived details, a limited material palette, high-end and durable materials, and goes on to talk about related daylighting concepts to avoid heat gain while maintaining view. The problem that I have with this definition is that some of the characteristics fit the Clark Building, but some of them don't, especially the daylighting concepts to avoid heat gain. The Clark Building can get very hot and there are not very many windows for there to get daylight through. One way it does fit though is that the limited materials and durable materials used in its construction because it seems to be a lot of concrete. The architectural design of the building and who designed it also connects the Clark Building to other buildings on campus. The reason for this is because there was one architect that designed a few buildings. His name was James Hunter, one of the buildings that he commonly known on campus to have been designed by him is Allison Hall. Those are some of the interesting unique things about the people and the architecture that make up the history of the Clark Building. And I thank you again for tuning into today's episode.